0: Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow,
1: and can even make life better.
0: We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Happy Tuesday. Meetups are happening again. We're traveling again. Next week, we're in Texas. We are. I can't believe it. It's upon us already. It's going to be really cool. We're in Austin. you are meeting us there, which is awesome. We'll be in Austin for a few days. We actually are shooting something for TV season nine, and then we're meeting up with you guys on Friday, Saturday. We're looking forward to all of you that are coming. That'll be very cool. And then we are still, I know I keep teasing it because we're talking about it a lot, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. we are planning a big Utah meetup for middle of September. Details to follow. Sign up to follow, but it's coming together. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be a couple days worth of driving with some overnight. It's going to feel like a rally. It's going to be really, really cool. It is a rally, man. It's right, awesome. Yeah, you're right.
1: Well, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, if you have been wanting to a Minister of Finance shirt, it is still available is as of this t- podcast recording. Mm-hmm. We're doing our best to mitigate the uh, well, the, the time period in between when shirts are available yeah, and when yeah. they're not. And so right now it is currently available for the next seven days as of this recording. If you want one, also Stuttgart is on there, and we'll keep making announcements as shirts kind of turn on and it turn off. Cycle. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. as you said, cycle through. So, yeah, get your Minister of Finance shirt there. And also a quick note, thank you guys for your viewership on YouTube of the triple sports cars that we yeah. drove, the Cayman, Supra, and M2 comparison. Mm-hmm. That is being well-loved on YouTube, and I'm glad to see that. That was a TV episode, and we did the interviews for that a little bit differently. So we had three Mm -hmm. cars. You're right. We needed three drivers, so Chance went with us, Mm -hmm. and all three of us were driving these cars, and we would drive for seven or eight minutes and stop and switch cars, and so every every stop, every mm-hmm. switch, we would talk about one aspect of the car. We You're would focus right, yeah. on yeah, yeah. brakes or power or handling or dynamics or any of mm-hmm. those and just that was the commentary headspace to really feel the back-to-back seat time.
0: It was amazing. Doing it's it like different that. than
1: yeah. the we've ever done for mm-hmm. any review. We've never done triple cars that way mm-hmm. and I think it really worked. I think it really it came across. It was very cool us. to
0: just spend a few minutes because we also knew the road and so we knew what sections of the road would be fast sections of the road. So okay, when we're going to swap cars now we're going to talk about speed and power mm-hmm. and in this section gotta be really technical and tight. So this section we're gonna talk about handling. And that actually helped us not only focus our commentary, because the things you guys may know is may not know is that we do twenty to thirty minutes per car for mm-hmm. each of these yeah. reviews. Yeah. And then of course keep in mind the fact that the episodes are only about twenty two minutes total. But each of Paul and I each do 20 to 30 minutes per car normally. But we'll go out for 20 to 30 minutes and talk about everything you hear us talk about. This was so focused to topic, and it worked out really well. You guys are liking it. You're commenting. You're sharing. We really appreciate it.
1: I've always wanted from our TV episodes, since we've always had so much leftover footage, Mm. to create the same episode with all the other footage. So here's the A cut. Here's the B cut. And Mm -hmm. we also come away with all the unused rolling car footage, too. Yeah. Shots that aren't the juiciest, the best of the best that we get. The stuff that's
0: kind of good. And it's the the
1: others. (laughs) I
0: I think it would be actually kind of funny to see the B roll cut. cut. That's very funny. That's very funny. It's horrifying. Me as the editor, I just kind of faded for a second, but I follow what you're saying. Right. We'd need a whole other edit team to be able to do that. We're really proud to have Covercraft as a long running TV and podcast sponsor. That's because Covercraft not only makes the best custom-fit car covers, but also has all the products you need to keep your car ready for car show and travel season. Products like seat covers and dash covers,
1: sunscreens, and more, all custom-tailored for your vehicles and made with the quality and attention to detail that has been the standard for Covercraft since 1965. All of our cars are an investment, from our personal fun cars and SUVs to our crazy cheap sports cars. Covercraft is focusing on protecting
0: the car, SUV, truck, or boat that you love, too. Whatever cover or sunscreen you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. You can follow the link from our sponsors page for high-quality covers that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Our topic Tuesday comes to us from Will S. in Vancouver, B.C. Yeah.
1: He writes to us with the title, Warranted Addiction and Some Worried Friends.
0: Wow uh, well I I'm just gonna go ahead and say real quickly uh, just as the as the headlines for this uh, I'm not sure we can quote-unquote help you here and I also think that <laughs> we're not a we, place we are no. not a financial advice <laughs> podcast so so I'm just gonna I have to caveat that through, those are the big asterisks right up front and now we can dive in feel free yeah Well,
1: Will is in Vancouver, B.C. He fell in love with driving ever since his first ever car, a 1993 Rusty Mazda Miata. Sounds great. The way you titled that, Will, indicates that it implies all Miatas are rusty. It's just you had the 93 version of all rusty Miatas. (laughs) It was just I found that very amusing. Anyway, since then, he's been lucky enough to own some amazing cars at a fairly young age. He is 26 this year. Wow. Last summer, he found a bone stock low mileage and meticulously maintained 0.4- Honda S2000, he's mm. smitten
0: with. He doesn't say how low mileage, but he says he drives it every day. He just drives it just for the fun of it. It makes him smile like crazy. He yeah. cannot believe he owns this car. Sounds like you got a great one, and it's coming up here. I, well, to the point where he can't think of life without an that's, S2000. That's true. You're right. He can't he's imagine like, his this, life this will be around. without an S2K. In it. And you're tw- 26, and you're going, the rest of my life, I want this car. That is a bold statement, sir. I was still in a Honda Accord at age 26, mm-hmm. Will, so it's all relative In the mild winters
1: in Vancouver, he has a fairly crappy but reliable and economical 2003 Toyota RAV4. It's probably all of those things. He says it's not a joy to drive, Mm -hmm. but helps him appreciate his S2K even more. I can see that, yeah. Here's where things turn. Mm -hmm. He was recently offered his friend's father's 2001 BMW M5, the legendary E39 M5, Mm -hmm. a dream car of his that the man, he says, let him drive all the way back in 2014 and he practically gave it to Will at about half of the market value. Wow. To the point where he couldn't say no. That was mm-hmm. an offer he couldn't f- refuse yeah, to for sure. buy the car. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He trusted that it would make, he, Will would make a good home for it. Mm-hmm. as it, He didn't want it to be ruined or to be ruined by someone who wouldn't appreciate it. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. Wow. Congratulations.
0: I believe you've taken it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely has. Yes. Yes, That's my sure. understanding here. For sure.
1: The problem is Will only has one indoor parking space. And that S2K will stay in the garage. But he wants to love and take care of this newly acquired dream car, the M5. So the question here from Will is, would we store it outside or should he pay for underground parking, Mm. which is very expensive in Vancouver? He Mm -hmm. says running a 4.9 liter V8 and driving the top off the S2000 every day will not be cheap on gas. And insurance is apparently outer-worldly expensive. That's Will's description. I can't
0: believe his listing of what his insurance costs for these three cars.
1: It is seventy three hundred dollars Canadian per year to insure all three vehicles year round.
0: I'm seven thousand three hundred dollars for all three. That's the, I'm I'm astonished. Whoa. Now your age is certainly a factor, but you are over twenty five, De- so that definitely. that's come down a bit. But your age is certainly a factor there. I just I am I, I, literally when I read that sentence, I had to stop reading for a minute. Because I could not believe yeah, how much extra cost that creates for these cars to exist in your life and be driven. I'm I'm just stunned. That's difficult to
1: comprehend. But Will, yeah. I like that you took on the E39 first, and then decided, you know what, let's let's figure out what we're going to do. And that's where he's at right now. To the point where friends of Will's are you know, from both the car loving camp and mm-hmm. the normal human being camp. <laughs>
0: are worried about (laughs) Will. We're the normal ones, just so you know, Will. (laughs) Right. It's everybody who doesn't like the cars. They're the abnormal ones. Exactly. They're saying that he should have a mortgage and
1: Mm. be paying that off by now with his good career, yet all he's doing is buying up cars that, well, Will says, give him lifetime-worthy experiences. You're Mm. not wrong, Will. You're not wrong. That's very cool. When will he have the chance to actually appreciate the newly acquired M5 if he still has his S2000? Are these people, these people, these people, are they right in hoarding these vehicles as a downward spiral into insanity? He thinks he'll be able to control himself from buying another car unless he sells one. But the questions from Will is, many questions actually, mm-hmm. they, the questions are, what are our thoughts about prioritizing lifelong investments like getting a mortgage, which is insanely expensive
0: here, he says. It's insanely expensive everywhere, I feel like. Well, right yeah, now. exactly. Yeah.
1: As opposed to keeping vehicular possessions of incredible emotional joy. Should he sell the RAV4 and daily the M5 and pour all his money into running and maintaining that machine of absolute beauty, he says? Should he let the M5 sit in storage as if he doesn't drive it? He says, it can't break if I don't drive it, right? Mm. Not necessarily. Yeah. But he says, ultimately, is
0: he greedy for owning these vehicles? Will, there are layers of this. No This is amazing. I I have to say again, um, what is the smarter financial choice? Not these cars. Look, I, I, I can be objective enough to say that from a financial planning perspective... By the way, Will, I didn't do this right either. I'm just putting that out there, okay? Yeah, but yeah. from a financial planning perspective, any financial planners that are listening, and, and you have written us before, so thank you for listening and, and tolerating our madness, But uh, but because you're, you're also car people. But any financial analyst would say, oh, Will's young. He's got a good job. He should be putting his money away. He should be getting into property. He should get into appreciating assets. And... I'll be a real cynic for a moment. Will. (laughs) you know what the right financial play is here. I'm going to say it. It's going to hurt. You sell the M five because you got it for a deal and cars are at a peak right now. And that is a collector car. You sell it on somewhere like bring a trailer where the people that buy it are looking obsessively for that car in good condition. Don't sell it randomly sure but you sell it to like sure. a bring-a-trailer or cars and bids or somewhere where the enthusiasts only are looking, and somebody's looking for that E39, and you will make a ton of money on it. A financial analyst would tell you that that is the smart play to do immediately. I'm not saying it's the right thing. But if we're talking about what is the right financial choice, none of it is the cars. I hate You're to say that, right. but that's the case.
1: Well, Will, yeah, let's say you sell the M5. That will disappoint your friend's father who did you a solid by Absolutely. giving it to yep. you for yep. half yep. the market value, mm-hmm. which is a lot. He's essentially handing you cash, but he's wanting you to keep it. So it's, it, in a way, it's a burden, mm-hmm. but it's, it's mm-hmm. not. But I don't want a car to be a burden for you. We that's, want that's your hard. cars it's really hard. not to own you. That's the ultimate goal here. They're not sitting owning you and you're afraid to drive it. That's what we're trying to get to. When I had my Porsche 928, mm-hmm. I had it when I was 27. Okay. Well, I got it when I was 27, sold it when I was 30, and that was late 90s through early 2000s, okay? Mm-hmm. I put down $10,000. I bought it for 195. I put down $10,000 cash and financed the rest. And it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. I missed that car tremendously. Looking back, I should have put that $10,000 into the fruit company in Cupertino, California.
0: Oh, yeah, that place.
1: I should have mm-hmm. bought stock in Apple, and I would have been swimming in cash right now if I had
0: just Apparently. left it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I would have been just fine if I'd cashed that out much later. Mm-hmm. I would have been doing great.
0: Mm-hmm. On the other mm-hmm.
1: hand, that 928 and Todd's Z car from that same era yeah. Yeah, set yeah. us both on this path that we're on now. That's an excellent point. I learned how to wrench on cars, if you can believe it. It mm-hmm. wasn't an old Chevy or a Ford yeah. or some old <laughs> I remember. It was yeah. a 928. I learned yeah. how to do brake fluid changes and oil yeah. changes. Yeah. And I did the timing belt check and all this stuff. That's what I learned my real mechanic mm-hmm. love for. I'd already graduated design school, so yeah. I, you know that was my background. But I should have done better things mm-hmm. with that money. But thinking back, Todd and I could not refer to that point, point in our lives of You're right. Yeah, remember when, yeah, when we yeah, had that yeah. first car and those memories and what it created and all those things, the learning All the stuff that set us to where we are now. It was
0: definitely the seed that became this show. So where is the trade-off there?
1: Right. But that's not a guarantee for Will. True. It wasn't a
0: guarantee for us. Of course not. No, absolutely not. We had no
1: idea at that point in time. Of course, yeah. Everyday Driver would be a part of our lives Mm -hmm, and this mm -hmm. show in our lives. Yeah. And so I don't want you to just say, okay, financially prudent. I should sell that car, take the money, talk Mm -hmm. to a financial advisor and either put that away And, you know, have retirement investment accounts or Mm -hmm. put that Mm -hmm. into a a down payment for a mortgage and then, boom, you're on your way. Yeah. Okay, but then you don't have an E39 M5.
0: Yeah, agreed.
1: So where I'm at is we have to measure what you're wanting to get out of that car. What do you think you're going to get out of that car? Mm -hmm. What kind of Mm -hmm. life experience and road trips and... You know, what is that going to do for you? I know I'm trying to project and I'm trying to see into the yeah, future a yeah, little yeah. bit. But my dad always says, you know, hey, you know, kind of picture yourself in that place. You know, mm-hmm. can you see yourself mm-hmm. being in that house? If you buy that house, do you, do you think you could mm. picture yourself mm. living there? Can you picture yourself liking that car? Can you,
0: yeah, you know, yeah.
1: it helps a little yeah. bit if you kind of try to think that way. And so ultimately, we've got to figure out that M5, as luscious and juicy and amazing as that car is. Mm-hmm. It's also
0: yours. True. He, he now owns it. It's means your he gets to decision. make decisions. You're right. Yeah. And your yeah, friend's yeah.
1: father, as generous as he is, he doesn't have any more ownership in that car. It's a good point. It's a good point. That ended when he did that for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And whatever you turn that into, whether you decide to keep it, sell it, buy a house, financial investments, that is still your decision and your decision only. And you cannot carry any feelings of guilt, mm-hmm. any feelings of, oh, I should have done it this way. You made your decision. You live with your decision. You yeah. move on. Yeah, yeah. You have to. You have to. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> you love your S2000 and I don't see you selling that. But I still think he should at some point.
0: I don't think at that's At some point, car. but I don't
1: think he's ready quite he's, Oh, yet. he's not ready.
0: No, Will, Will. I don't get the sense that Will is ready. But Will, I, here's the thing I want to free you up for. You're 26 years old. You're starting the beginning of your car experience. You didn't even list the th- stuff you've owned, but I'm going to say this to you there are no forever cars yet. You're too early. You're too early in your life for a forever car. And the thing I do like that you say in here that I want to, I want to expound on a little bit. And that is you're curious about the right financial choices versus lifetime worthy experiences. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take it Mm -hmm. away from cars right now. Ultimately, if we boil it all down, every person's life is just a series of the experiences they had. Indeed. Okay. Yep. And I have seen a lot of people who just delayed experiences because there was a smarter choice. And there's look, every every time every day you're making all these choices, and there's the smarter and the less smart choice, and sometimes you do it right, sometimes you do it wrong. But then there's a lot of gray area here too, where back to what Paul was saying, the choices we made that led to this show, some of them weren't the best financial choices, not at all. But we look at the life we have now and go, that's an interesting circuitous route to be here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what I want to encourage you in is I want to encourage you to embrace the life experiences of these cars. I want to go a step further with the M5, but I also want to encourage you that I think you need to set a, an end date, not a hard and fast end date, but I'll give you an example. The M5, for example, I think you should keep it for a year and I think you should sell it. Okay. And I think you should dedicate yourself in that year to having experiences with that car. You've mm-hmm. said it was a hero car for you. It has history with you and your and your friend. Uh you drove it six years ago for the first time when you were about twenty, and now you own the car and you can't believe you own it. This is a phenomenal story. That's I love amazing. this story. Well it's great. So okay, where are you driving that car? And I don't mean to the store. Yeah. Take yeah. that car somewhere. Have some experiences you can connect with that car and you can say, I have an M3 E39 M5, sorry, E thirty nine M five, when I was twenty six years old and I did blank with it. This is what I did. This is my experiences. And a year from now you sell it. You'll probably get more than your money out of it still a year from now.
1: I don't think you should
0: drive it all winter because I think that will reduce its value. Okay. And I think you will feel bad driving that car through the winter. I think you personally will not enjoy it. You'll be like, I can't believe I'm doing this. As much as I'm a guy that says drive cars year round. I think in your case, it's the wrong call, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but let's take an opportunity to drive that car for a year and fill it with experiences and then let it go Mm. and then start taking a serious look at that S 2000 and figure out when can this go and I can get something else that's next. Interesting. And you know what? Keep going. Keep because going. Because I'm, I'm worried about you building a collection without a place to put it. And I'm also worried about yeah. you building a collection yeah. that starts to own you and prevents you from making other financial choices. I, it is impossible for me as a car guy, as a person that co-hosts this show, to say to you, you should make wise financial choices and those aren't cars. <laughs> I can't do it. We're a car show. <laughs> right. Buy cars. Enjoy cars. Right. But I want you to have experiences with them and then cut yourself free of them and be able to move on, which should keep you from cars owning you, to Paul's point. If you were going to try to keep this M5 for the next decade, I'm worried about you just because of the cost of storage and maintenance and upkeep and when you're driving and all the kind of stuff. What if the M5 has its time in your life, moves on, the S2000 does the same, and then you can go in a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, the S2000 becomes a fill in that blank. Mm. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it keeps you from having a litany of cars you have to take care of into specific planned car experiences. I think you can. there's a balance there. Mm-hmm. That will allow you to do the, uh, you can't see the air quotes, the adult things with your money. But you enjoy cars. The, thing I, the number one thing I want to caution you on, I knew a guy when I was growing up in England. Our next door neighbor was a very well put together architect. He and his wife didn't have any kids. They did everything quote unquote right financially. Very, very smart. Okay, He retired and he literally died a week later. Are you kidding me? There were no known issues with the man. I've never heard this story. Yeah. There were no, I, I, I learned oh my late, much after the fact. Oh my but, gosh. Cause, I mean, the last time I was in England, I was 10 or 11, Right. but I went back there when I was about 30 and I remember meeting with his wife and he would recently died.
1: Oh, my god! But they were the
0: couple, and and many people have this story, but they were the couple that they did everything the way you're supposed to. You mean financially speaking? Absolutely. Start early, you've got your retirement fund by 18 and all this. Totally. And he retired when he was supposed to. He retired a little early, but not really early. There were no known issues. The man died a week later. Now, my point is, how much of his life did he restrict to, when I retire, I'm going to do that? And he never did it. Well, the expectation is that point. I've got 30 years of retirement to just course, go enjoy yes. and do all this stuff. And yes. I was stolen from me. We, we don't have tomorrow. And I don't mm-hmm. mean that to be dark. But truthfully, if you have life experiences now, you can't do everything right now. We have life experiences now. It allows you the opportunity to say, okay, I'm doing stuff now, but I'm also projecting the future. I think it's that balance that's key. I hate when people are too much in the experiences and frivolous because they don't think that there's going to be a tomorrow right. or the reverse. I'm planning for 10, 15, 20 years from now, and I'm going to not do anything now. I think you're missing out of life on both versions of that. I, I
1: like this a lot. And, Will, Todd is not telling you to fiddle in the sun and while away you know, and just enjoy the cars. But I do like the time period. It can be very loose. Of but course, I like yeah. the thought of now you could document, you could plan mm-hmm. out, you you're mm-hmm. setting yourself a, a bit of time, some space to enjoy that M5, and you can document
0: the things that you go do with that. They're called GoPros. I just had a thought. Will, I I will tell you what to do with your M five. Drive from Vancouver to Mexico down the coastal road. That's fantastic. And back. That's fantastic. Do that. That's Turn a, that's on some an cameras, Will take
1: some friends, plan to see friends along the way, plan Mm -hmm. some stops, Mm -hmm. do that epic road trip and yeah, drive it, but take care of it, Mm -hmm. but drive it. Mm -hmm. And then in a year or so you, this will also give you some time to plan out Mm -hmm. whatever money you make off the sale of that car. You've got the direction for it. It's not like Mm. plop, all this money just landed in your account. You Mm. wave the happy new owner. Goodbye. And, Wow, I've got some money. Mm-hmm. Whatever I've been eyeballing in my life, I suddenly I've got some cash. No, yeah. no, 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 no. You have earmarked that money, and you've already talked to a financial planner, or you've already talked to a real estate agent, and you said, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna get uh, you know some kind of money, or I'm gonna make up to get to forty grand or fifty grand or however much you can whatever.
0: Make for that yeah, thing. yeah, whatever the plan is. Yeah, and
1: then this is the time that you know I'm planning on that. Mm-hmm. I, I like that a lot because it's in a way the best of both worlds. You can have time to enjoy the car. Yes. Then it's fully yours. So you can do with it what you want Mm -hmm. and then kind of start your life. Both Todd and I didn't
0: have houses when we were in our 20s. Oh my gosh. No.
1: Or in our 30s. LA is wickedly expensive. (laughs) And it was when
0: we were living there. I could (laughs) afford out of Los Angeles (laughs) to do anything but rent individually moved
1: out of California to go buy a house. That's not everybody's story. Mm -hmm. That was Todd and his wife's story. That was my story. Yeah. But it was not as important at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. I was building my career. I was going after, you know, different things. We were building the show, you know. Absolutely, yeah. A lot was going on. And so our lives have changed. And so I, I like this for you. But I, I want this whole conversation, Will, to give you the freedom to be able to take a deep breath and say, all right, I'm going to have some time with it. But I'm not offending my friend's father by selling it. Mm. And maybe if you want to talk him through Here's my plan.
0: Whether well, you're not, you know,
1: like, hey, can I get your blessing on this yeah. kind of thing? That, you know, would go a long way towards the friendships there. That would go a long way. And whether
0: way. or not you have that conversation, you, this isn't you flipping the car either. It's not like, no. oh, he gave it to me. I'm going to sell it right now. Which no. is, uh, look, I'll say it again. That's the wise financial choice. That's the way to get your most money out of it. Is just unload it. Mm-hmm. but I think there's life experience that's available here that can be really, really cool. And you can just, and also I have to say this again, we've said it many times in the podcast. You and I've talked about it a lot, Paul, but I have to say it cause I think it counts for you. Will you can sell a car. You still like absolutely because there are other cars and experiences out there. I'll give you a flip side. What if just throwing it out there? What if you sell that M five in a year and you take part of the money and you join us on the pilgrimage trip?
1: There's that's a, a life experience. That's a life
0: experience that you okay. might have not have otherwise Did, been able to do for, for sure. Didn't have the money to do. I mean, or, or to Paul's point, what are your investments? What is the house? What, what could you do with that money? Mm-hmm. But I think there's, there's a plan that's available here that allows you to say, this is where my money goes. And anyone, these people, you said it before, anyone that is questioning you on your usage of money, I don't go back at them. But my point is they have something that they throw their money at that you would count as frivolous.
1: Absolutely. They do. Will, a question to you as we close out this discussion here. When all these expensive cars come up for auction, I mean all the ones that we all can't afford, the 62 Ferrari GTOs mm-hmm. for millions, tens, hundreds of millions. That has
0: of multiple commas in it. Why is that? Yes, The
1: the vintage Ferraris, the, all those mm-hmm. brands, all these cars that we just gape at going, I can't believe somebody paid $20 million for fill-in-the-blank car, a McLaren yeah. F1, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, somebody sold that car. Somebody Mm -hmm. was done with it. Mm -hmm. You think, well, Mm -hmm. I've got it. I Mm -hmm. I can never let it go because I have it now. Mm -hmm. I have. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Well, they decided (laughs) to let it go for some reason, and they're Mm -hmm. probably wealthy enough that they didn't really need the money. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the point. When that uh, two years ago, or three years ago, 2018, 2019, that uh, Ferrari GTO, Chance and I were, Mm -hmm. were in Monterey, yeah. It came across the auction block and it wasn't one of the good ones. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the, you know, the full on fastback shapes. It was the cheaper model. It only sold for 48 million. The gentleman selling it worked for Microsoft. He had a collection. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he had it. He,
0: he has the mm-hmm. car. You're right. You're right. And Absolutely.
1: yet he still let it go and he didn't need the money.
0: Mm. You're, that's a great point. Yeah. Why
1: did he sell it? Mm-hmm. He was done with it. He wanted something mm-hmm. new, even at that level.
0: I remember sitting with a driving instructor once when you and I were at uh, High Plains Raceway in Colorado years ago. Mm. I remember sitting with a driving instructor and talking with him about the fact that he, and I don't remember what the car was or the specific numbers, but he owned a classic Ferrari, a 60s Ferrari of some kind, okay, that he bought for, you know, at the time, a few tens of thousands of dollars, Mm. okay? Mm -hmm. And he sold it and made a profit. Okay, I think he told me he sold it for like, 60 grand or so. And he was like, but he drove it. He enjoyed it. He loved it. Yeah. But he kept track of that car. No kit. And the next guy sold it for like three or four times what he had sold it for. And the next guy beyond that, the next time he heard it was sold, it sold for a few million. And I was like, how do you feel about that? And he said, honestly, I made money on it and I had life experience with it. Yeah. So as much as I can say, what if? He was very respect, like reflective about it. He was like, as much as I can say, what if? Honestly, I got what I needed from the car and still made money. Mm-hmm. So he said, I feel like it's a win. And, it, and he said, it was in my life a long time
1: ago. The car didn't own him then. Which and is waiting crazy. around to sell a car to get your money out of it. It's
0: hard. It's really your hard. Your car
1: owns you. My yeah. neighbor up the street has an 08 orange Boxster, the 987 Boxster, mm-hmm. the special edition orange. Yeah, yeah. And it's gorgeous and perfect. And I saw him, I think, last year, and he said, yeah. Think I'll probably put about a hundred miles on it this year, and I went. Why do you own it? Yeah, agreed. Why do you even own it? Agreed. It sits in your garage. It owns you. Yeah, it's yeah. inexplicable. When your car needs new brakes, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy
0: way to get more performance from something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation, from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are all bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking, no modifications required.
1: Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance.
0: So the next time you need brakes or you simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. We even found great kits for our SUVs and our cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. Russell wrote to us for he and his wife. This is a, a double-barrel car debate right here. <laughs> it's he and his wife. They're cutting it all loose. The entire garage is going. They have college cars. The college cars are quite old they're quite broken down they've decided it's time to move on so we're going to try to solve this for both russell and his wife they've been squeezing every
1: last bit out out of their college cars it's the time has come he says to put them both in retirement russell's wife drives a 2003 pontiac vibe hmm i forgot about those that has held surprisingly held up surprisingly well but definitely started to show its age leaks Consumables wearing down, more creaks. Plus, Russell <laughs> would all like all her creeks. to drive. <laughs> he'd like her to drive something a little more modern and safe. Okay. Russell drives a two thousand eight Ford Edge with two hundred and sixty four thousand miles. That's a lot. He will continue to drive it almost eight hundred miles a week. He loves the car. He says not necessarily for its dynamic capabilities, but rather how dependent and reliable it has been, hmm. and is to him and his family. But with a transmission that has been on the way out, it's time to start looking for another car. Okay. Now, his wife's needs are, for a new car, vastly different than his. Her commute is less than 10 minutes a day. She does no real heavy hauling or anything of that kind. And Russell says to him, her needs scream sporty sedans, but her tastes differ. Mm. She's interested in the newer crossovers, but she did say she likes the look of the Kia K5 or the Hyundai Elantra. So he says, maybe there's hope for a sedan. Mm. They thought that twenty dollars to $25,000 budget for her car is a solid range. They've already looked at Mazda CX-5, Toyota RAV4s, and even a Genesis G70. She's liked all of them. Glad to hear. Moving on to Russell, his needs are a bit different. He does have a two-hour commute per day wow. with some twisty back roads towards the end of the drive. He would really like a manual sports car, but with a harsh working environment, he believes what he's looking for is something more along the long, long lines of a nice daily beater. <laughs>
0: Okay. right. right. I'm not, enti- that's, that's the <laughs> first time I think I've seen those words put together, but I good agree. to know. Yeah.
1: He's got a work truck on the job site, but the roads to get to said work truck are what concerns him about damaging paint and suspension. He's comfortable with about a budget of 15,000 for this car. Okay. His latest thoughts, he says, at least the week that he's writing this email, seems to change on a <laughs> weekly basis. It's
0: changed by now. I'm sure it has, Russell.
1: He's looking into a Ford Focus ST, maybe a Fiesta ST. Okay. He's looked at GTIs, everything under the sun. But in his mind, he has not come up with that sniper shot yet. Okay. He should add that he's six foot five and 240 pounds with a torso that can be related to Todd's. So you have the extra vertebrae as well. He I thought I was the only this. one. Good to know. Excellent. He says, so accessibility and ergonomics might be an issue for smaller cars. With a long commute, he'd love to have good gas mileage, at least 25 miles a gallon or better. Hmm. Strongly prefers manual. He's got the Ford Fusion with a manual transmission before the edge, and he misses every bit of the involvement. Okay, I love that. Wow. I'm a little bit concerned about those rough roads to get to the work truck, but I'm wondering... Will that change? Can mm-hmm. you mitigate that somehow? Because the suggestions that I want to give you, I think, really work, except for that short
0: you're, part of your commute. And we're wondering, and, and you don't—you aren't specific about how bad those roads are. You say they're not good, and so it says to me, like, no major low-slung sports cars, but you're not as clear as you could be on that, so I'm not sure about it. I mean, are we talking safariized something because you need to… <laughs> You know, go up a hill and there, bounce down. A, there is a work truck. I don't think we have to go full safari. but can Russell, we park the
1: work truck further away from the roads?
0: Russell, <laughs> for your wife, I have this question. And I'm sure she's listening now, so hello, Russell's wife. The thing is, um, what if she got something that was just a fun car? You guys haven't even entertained mm. that. If she has a short commute, no need to haul anything. You guys are going to wind up with a two-car solution anyway. Your car, by its nature, based on this conversation, is going to wind up the more usable of the two. You suggest that she doesn't have much commute distance or much need for usable space. So I'm going to start crazy. I'm going to start with my wild cards. Oh, good. Because eat I, dessert first. I want to submit this to you. What if your wife got a convertible, a two-seat convertible? It's not even on your radar right now. I know it's not. Ooh. But, okay, asking Russell's wife now, what two-seat convertible do you like? Hmm. Because my secondary question is, because why not? Nothing about what you described in what you need for your car makes a convertible a problem. And then every now and then you have a car that you can just take the top down and enjoy it. What if your wife got a Miata? What if she got a used Porsche Boxster? I guess my question is, why not here? Maybe my neighbor will sell his. He should. Now, Russell, candidly, you're not going to fit in a, in a Miata. But what if you guys got a used Boxster? What if? Because I think your wife would enjoy it. I mean, she's responding right now. I just can't hear her. I think she would enjoy it. <laughs> but then if she's got the easygoing commute, the Boxster surprisingly usable. If you're picking up stuff from errands, it's got the frunk and the trunk. Surprisingly Good. usable. And yep. then the t- you you guys have a fun car together when you have that opportunity to just go do something. Get it in automatic. I mean, I'm not a guy that mm. normally recommends a boxer and an automatic, but for this purpose, why not? You're going to get a manual either way. That's actually really good. So, so I why, like that. why don't we completely break this whole thing apart and just go? She doesn't need crossover usability. I'm going to retreat here in a minute. She doesn't need crossover <laughs> usability. So, <laughs> okay. why not just go crazy? Get something that is purely fun that both of you can enjoy, and she gets to use as a daily because she doesn't drive much. It's a great point. Why aren't she has we no going there? Needs yes. whatsoever. I that's think, a great point. So, I mean, you've talked about mm-hmm. sedans. you talked about CUVs. I'm going to go there next. But I, I'm really, I, I want to push on you guys. Why not just go pure fun there mm-hmm. and enjoy it? Mm-hmm. Pulling it back to where you were. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the Genesis G70. Yeah, agreed. The You're CX-5 right. we like. The RAV4 is excellent. I actually like them in that order. G70, CX-5, RAV4. That's my one, two, three of the ones you've mentioned. But she doesn't really need big back seat space. But I will say if she did, that's where the G70 struggles.
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: But I'm gonna say that I think the car for her, if she really is kind of leaning CUV, and you're not sure about her having a CUV, and you want something kind of new, and you've got about twenty-five grand to spend, get a Mazda CX-30. That's on my list. That's is my it, top car. I think that's the car for her. If, if you don't make what I think is the better choice, and just get something fun for her.
1: Hmm. Yeah, the top car here. I'm starting an order, Russell and Russell's wife. That CX-30 Turbo is awfully compelling. I'll spend a little bit more of your money. But but we liked it even without the turbo. We did. It's it's solid either way. It is certainly large enough for your needs, I believe. But if you do want something a little bit larger, don't forget about the Acura RDX or a used Volvo XC40. Uh, True. You have to get both those used, but they're very solid. Yeah. But to Todd's point, those carry stuff. They carry people. Mm -hmm. You don't seem to have that need. Nope. Not for her car. So if you get that car, then cool. If you like it, great. Absolutely. The end. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you're still questioning, I do like, Russell, your line of thinking about doing something in the sedan world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I pushed it a little bit further than the Kia K5 or the Elantra or the Sonata, which could be good. Those are getting a little bit big. Corolla XSE could be an interesting thing. But Mm, if we're going there, my car for you, Russell's wife, is a Mini Cooper
0: S. That's excellent.
1: You could even get a convertible.
0: Yes, that's an excellent point. Either way. They're
1: Great! They're fun. They're sporty. They can still carry stuff. You fold those seats down, you can still carry a little yep. bit of stuff. Yep. And people. And they're fun. And they're nimble. And they're fun to look at. They. The whole car is just fun. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Mini Cooper S. Hard top, convertible. I don't care for as much Mini Cooper S as you can get for $25,000. We drove one the last end.
0: year that was brand new and it had the automatic. Yeah. We drove yeah. it on a back road.
1: Yep. And we both got out, and we were just like, it's just everything about that is fun. We drove it fast. We drove it fast and hard with a group of cars that were all moving yes. We were all
0: rotating cars and trading keys. And yes. When we both got done with that car, we were both like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just fun. It was just fun. It was an automatic Mini Cooper S, yep. and we just went, uh-huh. And it's gotten significantly larger than the Mini I had. It <laughs> it and was. you could tell, but who cares? It was still just fun.
1: Crazy enough, Russell, I guarantee you, you'll be able to fit in that car because yes. you can put the seat so far back yes. in it. It's astounding. You'll be able to fit. Mm-hmm, that's good. And so, Mini Cooper S, here we go. Russell, for you, I was initially thinking Corvette.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: 15 grand, get yourself a Corvette. Mileage won't be what you want, but it will be very comfortable for a long commute. And the mileage would be better than you think because of that high overdrive six yeah, gear. Yeah, true. Yeah. Very true. Good point. But I'll just leave that off to the side. I'll let you decide on that one. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I want to introduce you to the E92 series BMWs from 2006 to 2013.
0: Oh, interesting. E92,
1: so the coupe. Mm -hmm. And they made three of them. They made the 328i, the 335i, and the 335is Mm -hmm. in addition to the M3.
0: Yeah, the 335is is one of those I keep coming back to because it's a lot of car for the money.
1: If you can, or if you want to, Mm. I suggest the IS. However... I want to start at the 328i. That's because it's got a different three liter inline six. That was the N52 engine, generally regarded as
0: reliable.
1: Ooh, hey, look at that. Because it wasn't turbocharged. Of course, yes. Only 231 horsepower, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't a high stress engine. It was just a good engine, a Mm -hmm. a free revving, Mm -hmm. pretty reliable from what I can gather. And from the bit of research that I've done, it's less stressed. I found you a 2013 328x drive with 46,000 miles for 20 grand mm. or another one with 96,000 miles for 125. You could save a little bit of money, a little bit higher mileage, but maintain it, drive it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you could go up to the 335i. Here's where we get to 302 horsepower with the mm. N54 engine. The problem is the reliability issues with that engine were the high pressure fuel pump After 2011, that engine was changed to the N55 motor. So (laughs) here's the difference: single turbo instead of twin turbo. Mm -hmm. Now a lot more power, not quite as reliable. I think you prefer the reliability, Mm. but either of these you can get manual transmission. Yeah, you could go all the way to 335is. It's very high strung, Mm -hmm. and you can get them for that price. I'm just wondering what you can only decide: Mm -hmm. want fast turbo hotness? You want more reliable, but I think anything in that E92 coupe range, you'll be able to fit in. You can find manual transmission. You can find engine options. Mm. You can find a lot of mileage options and you can find a lot of price options in there. I think it's a great balance Look for at what you. you're looking for. That's good stuff. I wanted to go the new 228i. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go that mm-hmm. far, but I don't know that they're quite 15 yet.
0: Fair. You'd have be, be a really early one. It'd probably, be, Yeah. That's a good question. That's a good question. That's where I'm at for you. I like it. Russell, I've got some thoughts for the ones you started with. First off, you mentioned two Fords, and there's nothing wrong with either one of them, Fiesta ST or Focus ST. Both of them you would like. The Fiesta is more fun. Some Focus owner is mad at me right now, but that's fine. But fundamentally, <laughs> the Fiesta ST is more fun. <laughs> but moving on. The Focus ST is more usable.
1: Mm-hmm. So what do
0: you need more of? Now, the one of the other things that's interesting about the Fiesta ST, it is very small, very cheap, but big guys fit well. It's one of the things we yeah. discovered every time we've yeah. driven one. We have a shooter who's Edgar, who's shorter than we are. Mm-hmm. He's got you and me and Chance. We're the trees that hang out with Edgar. right? And Edgar has, has said to us on a couple of occasions that he likes the Fiesta ST, but he never finds that he gets a good driving position. And everybody I know that loved that car was a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. So Fiesta ST, in spite of being small, is yeah. actually really fun and I think would work for you. Focus if you need more room. Drive both. Uh, but then I had this thought. Manual transmission you want fun. You may have some bad roads to deal with WRX. <laughs> you true. need to go shop. It's Subaru true. WRX. Now
1: somebody's screaming. at the, uh, yes, that their phone is finally Exactly. Going, going right there. Oh, you somebody, idiots.
0: somebody's like, they got there finally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, but no, you can get a WRX. Now what you're going to be in there is probably going to be a 2010, 2011. So not a lot newer than your current edge mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. probably going to be around hundred thousand miles. The problem is those things hang on to their value So well, mm-hmm. that this is the problem. But WX definitely gets it done. Uh, Slight shift. If you're going to look at the Fiesta ST, look at the Fiat 500 Abart. I don't know why I'm going to say this next thing, but I feel like if I came onto a dirt road, I'd be happier in the Abart. I don't know why. Hmm. It just feels more like it's got some rally thing in it, some rally
1: bona fides.
0: I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. There. So anyway, but it's, it's got it's got a, a higher driving position. We talked about that before the Abarth is just it's fun, it's funny as well. If you know what I mean, the, the, the personality of it, its just kind of funny personality. Yeah, it makes you enjoy it. The Fiesta is more focused than a little bit better driving hatchback, but the 500 Abarth is just a laugh. So look at a 500 Abarth. Mm. If you want something that is a little more mainstream, you can look at Civic Si. It's not going to be as fun as the Abart, I don't think, or the Fiesta ST for that matter. But it's a very solid choice. And I have two wild cards. Okay. I won't go BMW because you did. Okay, fair enough. But up to like 2011, 2012, again, same, not not as new as you might want, but you could get an Audi A4 with a manual. Oh, that's right. They did. Yeah, like 2011, 2012, <laughs> right. and they were still making manuals. They're hard to find. We drove one for a piece a while back. Solid manual, all-wheel yeah. drive, nice interior. It's a place where you'd be happy commuting, you'd be happy on a back road and if the road got a little bit nasty, you'd be like, "Okay, you know, I got quattro. quattro. I'll just I'll just keep going." So, oh, Audi yeah. A4 with a manual. And then one that I don't love for you, but I feel like I have to mention it. Okay? You could get an early first gen Cayenne with a manual transmission.
1: That's not bad. Because all every bad. time I drive
0: my wife's, I'm surprised by the good dynamics of that. But yet you and I have used it as a camera car up some nasty roads, too. Yeah, and it just fine. is like, bring it. Yeah. So I've done huge yeah. cross-country, high-speed sweepers. Like, that's one of those cars that you know they built it and were aware of the fact that the Autobahn was in the backyard. It may be a big SUV, but you want to carry some serious speed down some sweepers. It's like, bring it. And you can get them in a manual. That's true. Major wildcard territory, but there you go. Dunes or Autobahn, bring it, right? We have many questions. Thank
1: you guys for writing all your questions. Really yeah, appreciate it. Stuff. Ted Adam Green on Facebook says, why mm. do so many people seem concerned that all electric cars will be alike? We have millions of same-sized internal combustion engine-powered cars, and they aren't alike. He says, Conde and Kia have the same four-cylinder and a ton of different cars. Is he missing something he thought electric cars was just a different propulsion method that would allow for more style and design opportunities Not less.
0: Notice this question. This is a great question.
1: It is. You're absolutely right. It is a different propulsion method. Mm -hmm. It's just the power plant is now the batteries. It's not really the electric motor. Mm -hmm. It's the batteries. And what do you do with the batteries? And we've discussed this frequently now. The configuration of batteries in any other configuration but four inches tall, Between the two axles as the flat floor of the
0: vehicle. Yeah, between the axles. Doesn't make sense. That's the only way they're going to do it. You're right.
1: It doesn't make sense to pile them up in a stack or a big Mm -hmm. lump in the shape of an internal combustion engine motor Mm -hmm. or any other weird shape. Disney characters. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) They're like Lego blocks. We just.
0: (laughs) This looks like Mickey. That one looks like Pluto. Pluto. I don't care. Kia is now introducing the, the Pluto engine stack. <laughs> right. It's going to be awesome. Can yeah. I get
1: Batman? I'd prefer Batman. It doesn't matter what that shape is. It doesn't make sense unless it's flat underneath the floor. Mm-hmm. That changes the weight and dynamics of the car dramatically. That actually starts to make them all the same because it, whether the yes. motor's in the front or the back or both, it starts to make the platform, that skateboardy platform that everybody mm-hmm. thinks is a great idea, and it is, mm-hmm. but that's where the
0: the fear of sameness mm-hmm. creeps in. Absolutely. And I'll go you one further. Ted, I, I hate to say this cuz it's true. There is a sea of five-seat SUV CUVs out there right now. They all have It's an ocean, is around isn't it? 250 horsepower. They yeah. most of them have a 2-liter turbo four-cylinder. Yeah. Most of them have a CVT or an eight-speed transmission. Don't forget all those safety and features. The thing is, the thing is, we drive them all and a lot of them are pretty much the same. <laughs> and the it. thing yeah. that separates them, here's the thing that separates them. Honestly, it is the fact that they are different engines, mm-hmm. which have slightly different torque curves because of the turbos, different transmissions that are responding to that engine. Those are the two things that make them drive differently because the engine's in the same place as the last one we drove. And it's mm-hmm. the same size engine, roughly the same power, and they're roughly the same size and the same weight. And the oh, yeah. They yeah. are so remarkably similar. When you take out... The fact that electric engines have zero personality—they just they're either on or off, they're spinning or not spinning. Yeah, they're not. They're, any internal combustion engine has some sort of. We'll talk about the FRS for a second. The eighty-six. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is it has this weird torque curve in the middle. Mm-hmm. That is that engine's personality, if you will, for better or for worse. <laughs> right. Okay. Say. So my point here is, electric motor just spins. Mm-hmm. They, they all just spin. I don't care who makes it; it just spins. So there's not a personality that's going to come from the engine. There is no transmission. So two of the things that differentiate these CUVs we drive no longer exist. And then you're back to Paul's point, which is roughly the same size, roughly the same battery pack, put between the wheels. We just drove three CUVs. And I am not kidding you, three electric CUVs. It was the Mach-E, the ID. Four, and the Tesla Model Y. -hmm. And at the end of day one, I was yet to find out how they were different.
1: There were slight differences. There were styling stuff and interaction well, stuff. styling, but, but just, slight differences
0: in handling. But at the end of day one, I was baffled. I was like, they're just the yeah. same thing. Yeah. And I had to dig further than I normally do on internal combustion cars to start to go, oh, wait. Yes. Oh, so if you do this and then this, oh, okay. So this is where they start to differentiate. Because ultimately, what were they? They were roughly the same size CUVs with batteries in the floor between the axles, mm-hmm. electric motors, no transmission. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This is the concern. I mean, Ted, this is why I keep coming back to styling. At that point,
1: absolutely. the only difference is how they look. Mm-hmm. That's it. St- yeah. Interior materials and features and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Do they look different to your eye? Mm. And to many people who are non-car enthusiasts,
0: they don't. Well, we just, we just drove we ha- on the YouTube. We, we just now put out that Supra Cayman M2. Mm-hmm. And all of them are brilliant. Yeah. But the fact that yeah. they have different power plants placed differently in the car at different weights, at different weight balance, changes how those cars drive. And now we're yeah. taking all of those yeah. parts out of the equation. Plus sound. Of course, yeah. V8, flat six,
1: inline four. Yeah, yeah. whatever they are. Those are
0: personality and traits and characteristics. And these just go...
1: I'm not trying to strike fear. We're not trying to strike fear into the hearts of car enthusiasts everywhere. Because to us, describing it and coming to this realization is a little horrifying too. But I feel like we're at the beginning of the real true electric car architecture. And car manufacturers just need to get out of their system. Just do the skateboard thing. Plop an MPV and a sedan and a... Long wheelbase, whatever, I don't care. Just mm-hmm. stretch it, mold it, silly putty, same mm-hmm. recipe. Now let's really talk about what you guys can do. What's really going to separate you and you? Let's do something oh, cool. Your marketing yeah. team yeah. says, hmm, we need to increase sales. Well, we're making cars just like the next guy, so how do we do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, engineers, designers. Do something different. Do your thing. Yeah, That's when we're going to see some real interesting things, and I truly believe that.
0: Rocco wrote in. On Facebook and asked me a question that I am chewing on. <clears throat> mm. Would we be interested in drag racing some of the cars we review? <laughs> Example was the uh, Honda Ridgeline or the Ranger or the um, the Carnival versus the Odyssey. He just thinks it'd be funny. Uh, Rocco, two minds about this. First off, um, I hate the fact that if you want to succeed on YouTube right now, you need to drag race. Yeah, yep. Throttle House has proven this. Uh, Ken Block is proving this. If you'd like to get a million views, you just say drag race in the thumbnail and you drag race somewhere. Uh, We don't really have a venue for this. Both of those guys have a venue that they use over and over. Um, Look, I get it. Drag racing is easy for YouTube. I feel like it's low hanging fruit. I'd like to actually tell you something other than just drag race the car. It would be funny to drag race some of these. We are also doing a thing on some of our test drives where it's will it drift. We've been drifting some of them. That's been fun. And we'll keep doing that, especially in the winter, because it's very funny. Um, We generally don't have these normal cars, if you will, for test drive at the same time. That's one of the things that very true. Very true.
1: I'm going to take you way back to the genesis of the show. Uh Uh-oh. When you and I drag raced moving vans.
0: We did, yes. That was 07, 08? Uh, I I think... Early. Yeah, it was 07 at the latest. We drag raced minivans. We did.
1: Uh, I'm sorry, moving moving vans. vans. It was very funny, The box vans. We rented them Mm -hmm. and drag raced them. It
0: was quite funny, I have to say. It was
1: hilarious. But I agree, Rocco. (laughs) I don't know what that does for viewers. Mm. What does that do for you at the end of the drag race and you see the time and you think, well, that car's better. It's just better because it has the lesser or more number.
0: Well, and if it's a minivan it versus do? a minivan and one of them won a drag race, it's, entertainment. it's funny. Yeah, I guess it's, it's funny. either yeah.
1: entertainment or if you're really shopping,
0: <laughs> what did that do
1: for the person watching?
0: Yeah, fair.
1: I can't answer that unless it's just pure entertainment. But for me to see the two hottest supercars, of the, I don't care. Hmm. Personally, hmm. I don't care. I, I just... That's not what I'm looking for out of a car. Yeah. My Cayman will get trounced by mm, all of the cars that are drag raced on the internet.
0: My love will get destroyed. That and has, yet,
1: I love Porsche. I love driving that thing.
0: It, it really it really does, honestly, as much as it is a laugh and as much as it is a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. Who wins a drag race tells you zero about whether or not a car is fun to drive.
1: Absolutely. nothing. It, Absolutely. it tells you that
0: it's quick.
1: Wow, sure, I'm quick. really,
0: wow, I'm very impressed. Oh, fast where do this you is. use that?
1: Wh- who uses? But you that? have to
0: have sure. a massive straight, or tip, typically, what you need is you need like a, a regional runway, and that's what the, these that I've mentioned are doing. And it'd be great to have one. It'd be funny. Um, yeah, the, these this because you can tell we're debating this. We've debated this and and Endlessly. looked at this because we Endlessly. we see that it's successful. We also just don't have. I wish we'd had a carnival when we had the odyssey that had been fun. Yeah. But we just, we get them one at a time.
1: Color cartel on Instagram says, how big of a role does self-expression play for us in car mm-hmm. ownership? He knows pro drivers who really don't seem to care about expression through cars and just look at them as a tool. The same thing. I had heard stories about Brian Herda and now his son Colton Herda. Brian drove Honda, whatever he was, you know, sponsored by Honda that mm-hmm. the, um, the team was sponsored by Honda forever. He just drove normal Hondas at his house. Yeah. yeah. and, set up the entire team's cars, all of his fellow drivers, he would set the cars up on Mm -hmm. track. He was brilliant at it. But now Andrew says he knows people who only look at them as self-expression. Well, sure. That's all the other categories of car love that everybody Mm -hmm. has, Mm -hmm. of course. But how is that for us? Mm. Andrew, I think it's a bit of both but it's manifested itself in what I want out of a car. And that is everything. I want it to be beautiful to look at and well-designed and well-engineered and the backstory there, that history, that legacy. I, I really appreciate that Mm, too. mm. I'm far less concerned driving a Porsche and being a Porsche owner about look at me. And every so often I realize, like, yeah, that actually is kind of a flashy car. It's, (laughs)
0: <laughs> I guess I am I'm probably saying, look at
1: me. Yeah. coming across that way right now, aren't I? But that's mm-hmm. not why I bought it. That's not why I care about it. That's mm-hmm. not why I love driving it. Who cares? It's not the badge. Certainly not the badge. It's mm-hmm. just that particular company does it for me in all of those categories. Sure. sure. And I, I want equal ranking in all of those categories. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Lotus is a little bit different for you. It- might yeah, not I mean, be equal ranking, but your priorities are different.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the thing that I've discovered over time is that I want to feel like I've got a connection to the car that typically is connected to weight. Not always, but typically it's connected sure. to weight. Sure. Sure. And I want to feel like I'm very involved in what's going on, which also most of the time is connected to weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I want to have a car in a color. I know you have. I know it's shocked all of you listening. <laughs> but I, I'm desperate to have a car in a color. I just, I'm so. of monochromatic vehicles and I am so aware this was the big revelation for me when I had a 300ZX in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. is for the first time in my life I bought a car that I lusted after and wanted and would go drive just to drive yeah Yeah. and I realized this was the epiphany that led to the show ultimately I realized cars are expensive I know duh right but cars are expensive and if I'm going to spend that much on something and spend so much time in it why don't I love it why don't I love it Yeah, if you're spending your money and your time and your effort. So that was the big twist for me. And I realized the cars that I liked were sporty looking. They drove well and they were a color. And so, yes, I'm expressing that in the same way as my crazy hair. It's just this is the weird stuff I do. okay? (laughs) and I realized that I mean, I, I, I honestly I met a guy recently. Actually, he's the guy that cuts my hair. Okay. We were talking about cars, because we do. You know, okay. you're, you're, your barber is like your bartender. It's just like they, they're, they're, they're the cheap therapist in your life, right? And he said, I just bought a new car. I didn't see this coming. And I said, what'd you get? Because he had an Outback. <laughs> he got another Outback.
1: Oh, God.
0: And he explained to me why he likes the old Outback and why he got the new Outback. And I went, sure, I get it. By the way, he got a white one. Grr. So he's contributing Ugh. to the problem, but at the same time, for him, it made sense. That was the car that made sense for him. It was nail on, nails on a chalkboard to me because yeah. I want to. I want to have a car that not everybody has. That's the other thing for me. It's important to me to have a car that not everyone has. Hmm. We have driven cars that are brilliant. I'll give you. I'll give you the ultimate one. I would never buy a nine eleven.
1: <laughs> right. I, I for know that they're reason, great. I can see I that. I know they're great. I yeah. know
0: they're good. I know people love them. I know people that know cars love them, and I know people that don't know cars at all love them, and I know they're brilliant, and I will never own one. Unless it was some weird, random, one-off, you know, a GT2 RS, I would consider, but sure. I can't afford one. Well, but you like, like a that uh,
1: 997 GT3 I 4. did. 4. No. See, those you, are so like rare.
0: That. They are. So I don't want to buy a 911 because I'm just like – yeah, and you go to a Cars and Coffee, and a third of it is 911s. Or more. And I yeah, know that that's yeah. weird to say, but I like having a Lotus that, I don't care there's three other Lotuses here today, but there's three total. Mm-hmm. And they look like mm-hmm. mosquitoes compared to everything else, and that's crazy cool, and one of them mine. mine. That is an expression thing for me for sure. I
1: mean, funny enough, I just got this mental image of the entire world driving 911s. Like every car you see is a 911. I'd be fine with it. See, I, I'd be fine with it. I because already feel like I like that car enough mm-hmm. to want one too, and so they're good enough that many people appreciate them. It's not just well, I bought a 911 because they're expensive and they're kind of rubbery and weak, but I just bought it because it's expensive. They're awesome. No, they're actually really good, and they're you know beloved by journalists and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But yeah. knowing the history, that that doesn't factor in as much, mm-hmm. and so I don't see it as like oh, well everybody has one, I guess, you know. Me too, you know, fine. I I don't see it as as yeah, you much and I, for me you and I differ so there, I've, for sure. I, I like having one. the oddballs. I really do. Which is cool and and respectable and I I like that dichotomy and mm. I I mean, I want the modified 911s. I want the singers <laughs> and the gumpers and the, or not well, gumperts, but, but, but the good to works. But and, now, you know.
0: but now you're getting to stuff that's unique enough now where you're separating yourself from the pack again. That that's what I want. Really. I know. <clears> I know. Yeah.
1: That's why they're built. Hmm. Well, speaking of color, Mystic Negro says, "Which manufacturer does a single color better than all the others?" We've talked about color a lot. For instance, that he's held, long held, that BMW has the best blues in the business, mm. and Audi's Nardo Gray might be the best gray ever made. Is
0: why, why? Why are we in the English language putting together the two words "best" and "gray"? That just that See, shouldn't exist. I'll give you on the gray. I do still like silver. Silver and the variants of silver still are are pretty it's you can have every color of the rainbow as long as it's something monochromatic i'm just tired of that when i see a car's lineup i feel like that's what mercedes is doing right now so it's like yes everything anything that could be done in a black and white photograph this is your color palette (laughs) i hear you i yeah mazda's way up
1: there Mm. mazda's red is phenomenal I can't say that Porsche does the best colors. They do a variety of colors and some some of them are actually interesting,
0: but they're not for everyone. Their their mats they're doing now, the matte blue and yeah. the, and their chalk. Those are Again, look, chalk is white, let's be honest. Yeah. And somehow it's a good looking color on their vehicles. And I don't like white cars. I agree.
1: I can't stand white cars. They're yes.
0: their pastel like Flat blue they do mm-hmm. is a color I would never get on a car. It looks great. Yeah. So they do. Yeah, they do agreed. the oddball stuff. They they have an interesting color department that picks really random stuff. The uh, the green back to Mercedes. The green that Mercedes puts on their GT though. Oh yes. Awesome. I'm not a green car fan. That looks awesome. It on that does.
1: Car. It does. But I think the trick is not just the single color. It's the color for the car.
0: That's that's key, yeah. That, that is yeah.
1: really where the magic happens, and Mazda's still way up there.
0: Barajaro says, have you driven a midsize pickup we would drive comfortably daily? He hasn't driven a truck that he found redeeming other than having a truck bed. So mm. he's asking, I'm going to give you two, actually. I'm not sure what... Different people define midsize as different, okay? So I'm going to go what is technically called a compact pickup, but is now what I think is midsize. And I'm going to say the Ford Ranger rides surprisingly well. We had one you. recently, yeah. and that rides surprisingly well. The other one is the current, if you want to go up to the actual 1500 series, which is most people think of, the current Dodge Ram, the Ram 1500, rules. In ride yeah. quality. It just yeah. rules in ride quality. They sure. have nailed that with their multi-link rear suspension, and it's, it's really, really cool. Their five-link, whatever it is they call it, yeah. That one is hands down. Watch our Atlanta piece. where We drove trucks in Atlanta. That's actually coming to YouTube soon as well. That, uh, that just rules. Peter Renslow says, when did Mercedes SUVs start to have
1: decent steering feel? Just in the last few years, to be honest, he drove a 2010 ML series and the steering field was so disconnected. It was legitimately hard to tell he was driving a motor vehicle. Ooh. That is, uh, yeah. You, am I making jello or am I driving a car? I can't really tell. Well, what the it's deal is. Thing. I
0: had this experience in my Z4 where I, I am turning the wheel and the car is turning. But other than the world is spinning in my vision, I don't feel like those two realities are connected at oh, yeah. all. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's definitely disconnected. Absolutely. I have a random movie question before we go. Kazi Chav says um, Which Lord of the Rings version is better, the original theatrical trilogy or the extended editions? If you have the time, I prefer the extended editions. And I like it because it flushes out some of the secondary characters. Look, I'll give you, I'll go to names Boromir and Faramir is much more interesting in the extended editions. Than it is in the theatrical editions. They add a few extra scenes that give you backstory that makes some of the mo- the moments more triumphant or more heart- heartbreaking, and they are still somewhat within the realm of reality as far as movie lengths. They're still under three hours, whereas you've got Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League that he just did that was four. What four hour movie? It was. At this point, it's a TV series. Let's be honest. Oh, so, but oh the extended gosh. editions, if you have the time, are the way to go. Interesting. Let's see.
1: Uh, oh, Remington G22 says, what's the biggest difference we've noticed between the way two cars drive that are based on the same platform? For example, early 2000s GTOs apparently have a sticky front end and a predict- predictable back end, but fifth generation Camaros love that snap over and understeer. Definitely the way it's set up and for the kind of market they're going after. I have not driven that early 2000s GTO at this point. We need to get in one. However, the differences in modern cars are Ever more so thinly, finely sliced. The Z4 and the Supra. Mm. Now, there's actually a pretty good difference in the rear end ride quality between those yeah, two cars, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. but they're totally different markets. Mm-hmm. the uh, The eighty six twins, the original first year. You're right. The Subaru BRZ and original FRS, the very first year. We drove them back to back on track, and you could definitely tell the difference. You could absolutely tell that. That was actually
1: quite dramatic you think same Mm -hmm. car same everything yeah not really the setup there was pretty different but uh i think that's happening less and less dramatic differences and and a gulf between the two Mm -hmm. because yeah there's a lot of platform sharing but as far as the way they're set up people just aren't well people car companies just aren't doing the super z4 the 86 kind of thing just as much anymore guys write to us with all your car crazy questions on social media Your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and most of all, your car debates at everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. It's
0: great stuff, guys. Really appreciate
1: all your debates pouring in from around the world, and uh, it's you guys that make the podcast. Mm -hmm. So cheers, everyone.